0: The Auburn Observer podcast, the Sunday edition. We've got a lot to talk about, Mr. Painter Sharpless. How are you?
1: I'm well. Another great
0: day in paradise.
1: As we <laughs> move right move right along, uh, Everything's going perfect.
0: Yes, everything's going something. I guess I guess would be the best way to put it. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Like I said in this one, we will uh, we will discuss. Uh, Kind of some latest, um, or kind of our latest uh, thoughts on the Auburn coaching search uh, as that goes on right now. We are recording this, just to let everybody know, we're recording this, um, they just announced the uh, college football playoff field, which I'm sure will be brought up at some point during this. Uh, If Auburn picks up a bowl bid, which looks kind of likely, it'll be very interesting. I, I had heard that. You know, no SEC teams had opted out yet, but I had also heard through some people that I don't think the players were over the moon of, about playing one. And then the other thing is, is like, how many games are you going to be able to get made? That's supposed to happen later this afternoon, so after we record this. So by the time you listen to this, we might already know if Auburn's playing in a bowl, who they're playing, where they're playing, all that. And we'll get to those, and in, in, you know, we'll, we'll break that down a little bit more, um, whatever that happens that'll that'll be the case uh in um you know a future episode. So we will be able to to touch base on that. And then, of course, second half of the podcast, we will talk about the Auburn Tigers on the basketball court because they man put an absolute whipping on Troy yesterday. Painter, how much did you get to watch that game?
1: I did. I stopped watching in the second half because <laughs> Uh, it was kind of done. I'm not as dedicated as some of you guys are and uh, I watched football instead and it feels good when you can do that. You're not really supposed to I think is if you're if you're a purist, you mm-hmm. know if you're a, if you're a Puritan of the sports world, you're supposed to start to finish that, but I didn't. I watched uh, football that was
0: more competitive slightly anyway. yeah slightly slightly more competitive football. We'll talk about a, a little <laughs> bit of that. As well. All right, so let us dive in. The Auburn coaching search is ongoing. Um, I guess we can't... A well-oiled can't, machine. Yeah, I guess we can't get too far into this conversation without addressing the elephant in the room. Um, and that is really since over the past week, there has been a lot of fan opinion Um and honestly overwhelmingly negative opinion towards uh, the potential promotion of Kevin Steele to the head coaching job. Um, That has ranged from people saying, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. Why would you do this? Kind of the logical, you know, um, just here are the facts that we know straight up um, based on football reasons why that decision shouldn't be made stretching all the way into, you know, People talking about conspiracy theories and, and, and you know, uh, <laughs> plans, uh, backhanded plans and, and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into that that kind of stuff, you know. I'm just going to talk about what I know, and I'm going to talk about what I can verify and what's in front of me. And most of that has to do with just football reasons. But we do have to address that um, that the, the Kevin Steele promotion angle is not going to be a popular one um, if it happens. And I'm of the opinion, I'm interested to hear what you think about this, I'm of the opinion that since Auburn didn't make that quick promotion for him. And it seems to me that Mario crystal ball was like the big swing and crystal ball got his extension at Oregon, even though the money wasn't that much of a difference, he got his extension at Oregon. He seems to be out of the picture at the moment. Um, and I don't expect him to jump back in. It would be very odd, but, you know, strange things have happened. Um, since that didn't happen, it seems like there's going to be a process. You know, oh, it, Reportedly, over the weekend, over this weekend, they're interviewing candidates. And we'll talk about a few of them here. But to me, Painter, it seems that the longer this goes on and the more Auburn is committed to this process of having a search committee, of having a search firm, of, of going through this, um, the number of people involved in it. The longer this goes on, I think the less likely it is that Kevin Steele ends up the permanent head coach at Auburn.
1: I love search firms.
0: <laughs> I think uh, we'll talk about one, we'll talk one about, about one of the search firm uh, angles in, in a moment as it relates to one of the candidates. But yeah, I just the 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 more the more I um, the the more that this takes the, the longer that this takes, I should say, the harder I feel like with the amount of fan reaction there is the amount of candidates that have been reportedly interviewed or contacted, to go through this whole process and then promote the defensive coordinator, it, it wouldn't make a ton of sense to me. There would be a lot of questions, I should say, being be asked. Because if this was going to be the end result, even after you interviewed all these candidates, why why did it take so long, I guess, is, is the right. best way, well, especially when it comes to... Of, go ahead.
1: Part, part of my deal with this is that it became evidently a very unpopular decision, and that's an interesting move to hire Steele because he's a popular
0: defensive coordinator here. But Yeah, if, the switch has been hard Exactly, on exactly, from exactly. the fan I, base.
1: It leads me to believe, okay, if you're going to push that through, if you're one of the power brokers, if you're one of the mm-hmm. people making the decision, yeah. do you want to be the bad guy because you want to have it that way? How willing to be the person who gets the blame for this are you?
0: Yeah, because I think if it happens... It's, it's not going to be pretty. Do I think people would eventually calm down? Yes. Do I think people would... Well, well okay. Maybe... It, I guess it depends on the definition of calming down. But People would um, still
1: watching of the games. Yes, Business yes. would be usual. It's just there might not be as much excitement this offseason. I, right. I can't right. project yeah. that much, but I can assume.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Do I think that if Auburn hired Kevin Steele it definitely 100% would not work. No, I'm not willing to say that because here's the thing. I don't know anything. Um, Predicting what happens with coaching hires is a fool's errand, man. Like, it shows that we really don't know what we're talking about and projecting something – like, so many things have to work for a coaching hire to work. Again, everyone thought there would be a slam dunk. Tom Herman at Texas, Scott Frost at Nebraska, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan – even Justin Fuente was the hottest name in town for a while. And it looks like he's going to be staying around at tech, but like,
1: and good examples there too. Not just that none of them have worked out the way we thought they would, but they've been to relative degrees of success. Like Harbaugh did get close, especially at the beginning of his tenure at Michigan. Frost has never really gotten the thing off the ground. And I guess Herman had the one season where they, what they won 10 games. and I guess they beat Georgia. So like, there's been but nobody would consider any of that what the expectations were or, or that they met them
0: right i want to i want to mention something about that cuz like that's the thing is, like we don't know how these things turn out it's very tough we all have this rush to grade the higher like we have this rush to project this team, these teams are going to be definitely 100% the best because of their recruiting classes and here's are the guys who are going to be the best down the line when it things all change differently I wanted to point out something that I was I was having a conversation um, last week, uh, time last week with uh, Painter, uh, our buddy uh, Max Olson, who works at the Athletic uh, with me. And uh, by the way, Painter, I, I didn't tell you this. I know you appreciate it. Max was on a uh, on a long drive this past week and popped in our podcast. Um, so he said it was uh, he said it was good to hear Painter again. I um, I know, I know you boy. appreciate it. So Max was. Um, I always like Max as a national writer, kind of he, he takes a lot of, of an analytical approach and, and looks at different angles. We were having a discussion about coaching hires, and he called something up. It, it was a He sent me a screenshot. It was a CBS Sports uh, article uh, during the 2011, at, at the end of the 2011 season, heading into the 2012 season, um, coach ranking the new hires in college football. And it was a list of, of the twenty six hires and it's like, all right, who's gonna be the best? And then everybody it was like a panel that, that voted on it. Um, unsurprisingly, Urban Meyer was number one on it at Ohio State. I think they nailed that one. Um but this list is interesting because uh there's some's that did not there are some that did not work at all that are on that are on, up 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 high here. Uh including Kevin Sumlin at Texas A and M. I don't want to say at all, but it fell apart there down the stretch. Larry Fedora at North Carolina was number seven. Tim Beckman at Illinois was number eight. Uh, Terry Bowden was number 11 at Akron. We'll go on way down the line here. Uh, Justin Fuente was number 24 out of 26 at Memphis. And here's the the big one. Uh, Matt Campbell at Toledo. They said that was the worst hire in college football for that cycle. Of course, Campbell goes and... I mean, has an incredible uh uh run there at Toledo, parlays that uh, the Iowa State job. He's probably the hottest uh, coaching candidate uh, out there, especially for any, like, Midwestern school that might be wanting to make a move. Hello, Michigan. Um, but it just goes to show that, like, we really cannot predict it. Okay, remember – here's another one. Remember how um, crazy people thought LSU was for keeping Ed Orgeron on permanently. And it's like, you promote him, and it's like, yeah, okay, maybe, it, maybe it'll work, but like that doesn't fix any of your problems. Well, they get Joe Brady, they get Joe Burrow, and they win the national championship. Now, I'm not saying LSU is free of problems at this point, but it worked, right? And so there's a path, there's a scenario here that if Kevin Steele or, say, I'll, I'll mention another defensive name here, Brent Venables, defensive coordinator at Clemson, if if the if Auburn hired a defensive guy, there's some other ones. I think Bill Clark uh, would come to mind there as well. Not a guy who's down for an interview, but you know, at least people have been mentioning him. Is like, why not Bill Clark? The key though is hitting the offense. The key is you've got to get the offense right. So there is a there is. Uh, I'm not saying a defensive minded head coach can't work. Look at Nick Saban, obviously. But you have to adapt. You have to evolve. You have to have an offense that can work in this day and age. And the perfect example of that came last night in the SEC championship game. All right, Florida's defense is not very good. Um, they had a hard time doing pretty much anything defensively on a consistent basis this year. They could not cover. They had some decent pass rush, but it was a bad defense. However, they came the closest anybody's come this season. I guess Ole Miss, Ole Miss did it as well, and Ole Miss, Ole Miss points out my example as well. They only lost by a touchdown, and probably should have, and probably should have had a chance to win the football game if Dan Mullen wasn't such a moron with his with his clock management. Because they had the offense, because they had the offense, and we saw it with Ole Miss this year. We look at the ACC championship game uh, yesterday, Clemson. They get Trevor Lawrence back, and they just. Wipe the floor with Notre Dame because they've got the better players on offense. They've got they've got the best quarterback of the of the generation, probably as a prospect. They've got a dude in Travis Etienne that is going to go down as one of the most insane running backs I've seen uh, in college football just because of his production. And then they've got like an army of like kaiju that are playing wide receiver for them. Shout out Phoenix City. You don't have Justin Ross this year if you're Clemson, but you got EJ Williams and EJ Williams had a game yesterday. Um, but they just got these. Uh, it's this offense that. That's what makes the difference. You can play really good defense. You can be, again, the talent levels a lot different. You can be Northwestern, right? And play defense and even rattle Justin Fields around a little bit. But you gotta have the offense. You gotta have the offense to get to that point. Florida did it this season and they came close. Um you know, they came closer than probably anybody besides Ole Miss. Them and Ole Miss came the closest to beating Alabama. Meanwhile, teams like Auburn, teams like Georgia, teams like Texas A&M, who may have more talent than Ole Miss on paper, equal to Florida. Georgia definitely, definitely – Georgia's got more recruiting talent than Alabama does at this point. They can't hang because they don't have the offense. That's what – when you look at this this coaching search for Auburn, I think Anthony Schwartz said it best last night on Twitter. Uh, when he said this he said on uh, his tweet he said offense is the way now and he had the shrug emoji look I mean we've been saying it we've been beating this drum but I think everywhere you turn you see this come up and it's why Gus malzahn it's why Gus malzon's out at Auburn right now because he the offense couldn't couldn't hang up hang with it so when you make this move offense has to be the priority it's it has to be the he priority had
1: all his success
0: as a of- a hundred percent coordinator and
1: and uh, head <laughs> and, coach
0: initially in the SEC. And, and it's only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Like it, we're not too many years removed from an Alabama team that could just like the most dominant Alabama defense ever winning a national championship on the strength of that. Right. We're not that far removed, but that we're, we're past that point. Ellis, if LSU last year didn't prove it, what's happening this year is going to prove it. That Alabama defense had been playing really, really well, since the old miss game, like outstanding defense. Florida, like they could they they were they had it. And they don't have the talent of an Alabama. Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in America. Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight ends um probably we have seen um in, in a while coming out of college football. But Kyle Trask ain't Kyle Trask ain't what uh you know ain't, ain't Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or even or even Mac Jones. They don't have a Najee Harris, they don't have a they don't have a Devontae Smith on that team. However, they had the system and Dan Mullen for all of his faults and all of his dorkiness that he brings to the table can call some dang plays and it worked and it worked. And so that's the thing. Whether it's whether it's going out and getting a new head coach who has offensive experience or getting a defensive a guy who has defensive experience Auburn's problem is offense. Defense is what kept them in contention or whatever you want to call it for the last few seasons. They got to fix the offense. And Championship Saturday in college football was screaming that that's what it takes.
1: Good bordering on great defense got them consistently for – losses a year and like that's not a knock on the defense it's just a limitation to how far it can go and that
0: 2019 defense when it was going at its at its peak was was an awesome defense one of the best we've seen at Auburn
1: and I think people who have been watching football and maybe even know more about football like at one point would have uttered the phrase well you know defense wins championships and it's like that might have been true at one point but not anymore
0: not anymore not anymore. So that brings us to where we are currently in the in the coaching search for Auburn. All right, reportedly, interviews are going to be made this weekend with a number of candidates. This is coming from Philip Marshall of Twenty Four Seven Sports. Can't find a guy more veteran, more connected on this beat than Philip. And people are going to deny, we'll talk about one of them in a second. People are going to deny and say, well, we don't have this. is why you have co- coaching search firms, guys. Like, this is, there's a lot of semantics going on. There's a lot of, like, oh, I'm not doing this. You know, gotta, you know, people will say a lot during this time. But the interviews, you know, Kevin Steele, which we have mentioned at this point, um, Steele is a candidate, Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama offense coordinator, um, Billy Napier, the uh, Louisiana. Um, head coach uh tony elliott the offensive coordinator at clemson and i believe the fifth one was defensive coordinator brent venables am i missing one painter i don't think i'm missing one
1: it's certainly the group that's been mentioned most often on social media which doesn't mean anything but right it's the way i gauge fan interaction
0: and i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure i have it all with with the people who are who are interviews Um, that, I guess, I believe that's the five that, that, uh, Philip had originally, um, want to mention a couple other ones, uh, at this point, uh, number one, uh, Stephen Godfrey, who I would say is probably the best in the business at, 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 at covering coaching searches and kind of cutting through all the BS that happens in coaching searches. Um, he's reported that, uh, Neil Brown, uh, West Virginia, the former Troy head coach, uh, might still be a candidate for Auburn. He had been mentioned as a guy that interviews. Um, I, I also wanted to mention Lane Kiffin. I, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of fire to the smoke. You know what you know what I'm saying in that point at uh, this point.
1: It um, was getting battered around. I think there would have been, if that, had been seem- if that had been a continued option. It just seems hard to believe that there wouldn't have been more come out of that.
0: And like al and like al.coms uh, it was uh, John Touly and Matt Zenitz. they had reported the sark uh, interview as well so I mean th- there are their numbers of uh, ones I I have heard throughout the entire week from Sunday to now we're talking on Sunday again the Napier continues to hang around as a, as, a, as a candidate um
1: do you think they serve them a meal while they do the interview
0: I, I think they're doing all this through zoom
1: oh that's right that would make sense
0: like people who, out, people who are out people are out here plane watching right now and I'll tell you this I get it. I get why you'd plane watch, but I don't think I don't think a plane's coming in until they have their guy, right? Like, like I don't think you're necessarily bringing them in for an interview in a day and age where you like. The other thing is, is that you have to coordinate all this, and you take think, think about how many people are on the committee. You you can speed up this search, so to speak, this interview process by just saying, "Hey, everybody, here's the link. We're all going to jump on right here, um, and, and go for it." So I'll be I'll be very curious to see what the time frame looks like for this. What do you so, think the
1: interviews look like?
0: I mean, I I'll be honest. I don't really I, I don't really know what, what what happens as much in, in these interview. Pro- I would love to. I would love. I to would know. be
1: fascinated to sit in on interviews and. See oh yeah. If,
0: see if we're giving these people too much credit for how much
1: <laughs> uh, depth and and knowledge they bring, or if they really are drilling these people. And I'm sure it depends on. Yeah. The situation and the program
0: but let's take the 5. Let's take the 5 that we've mentioned and we'll we'll, we'll throw Neil Brown in with uh in this first year. But Steve Sarkeesian, Billy Napier, Tony Elliott, and then you can go with Neil Brown in this case uh, if he ends up getting an interview. And again, I that that list that we've heard as as interview I I'm not I'm not married to the idea that those guys are it. Like I fully believe there could be other guys out there. Now, do I know of any candidates specifically that are out there? No, but I I'm not saying this is 100% these are the only guys. Like Brown right, like that it wasn't in that report that but list. he's in there. Yes. Exactly. Right, so
1: like there just could be someone that we're not there aware. There could be
0: a wild card with. out there. I don't know. I don't know particularly who it would be, but I'm not willing to say this is it and like there's no other there's no other option. Like you know, it, there could be one being kept under wraps. I I one or two Mario Cristobal could come back into the mix. We could finally hear more about Lane Kiffin. I don't know. But I just wanted to say that, like, this isn't the definitive list. But Steve Sarkeesian last night put on a clinic in play calling. Um, Now, people will point to the fact, and I have as well, people will point out to the fact that it is rather easy to put on a play calling clinic when you have Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, who, by the way, became the best running back in Alabama history in terms of statistics last night. An offensive line who might all all five of those guys might end up playing in the NFL um up front. It Dickerson and Mac Jones so funny. And Mac Jones has done a really good job. Um Yeah, he's been accurate as hell. He's done a, he's done I a really, really good job. I think on
1: his team he should be the I like Mac a lot, but I think he deserves the Heisman third out of all those guys. It should be Devonte Smith. Yes, if, and this is the year to do it. Get weird. Give it to a wide receiver. You have an excuse to do something different, and I believe he deserves it for what it's worth. It's not like you're just throwing him a bone.
0: If if you believe that that elite play calling and an offensive system can, I mean, if that's the way forward, look at what Florida did. They got they brought Dan Mullen in. They know Dan can call plays. You know, even even his own office, uh, his own office, his own uh, athletic director said, "You know what, Dan says some things sometimes that he doesn't understand, uh, but Dan's really good at calling brilliant. plays.
1: He's so smart and handsome, is what his athletic director was saying. That that guy just cuts <laughs> through the noise, honestly. He, for he's he just, just does a fantastic job of winning over everyone with his superior intellect. Um, so." But he's really good at calling plays. Well, and it's my, made him a millionaire. So hey, it's just another good example of,
0: you know, market efficiencies. I want to, I want, uh, I want to see what it would look like for Steve Sarkeesian if he gets another head coaching job. If he gets another, if whenever he leaves Alabama, if he does, I think there's a good chance Sarkeesian could end up being the guy after Saban. But we'll see. Um. Uh-huh. Can he do it without elite talent like Alabama? Like he has the best talent whenever he steps on the field at Alabama. He has the best he has the best collection of offensive talent in college football whenever they step on the field. He's had that for the last 2 seasons. Um we do know that when he was at he was the coordinator of the Falcons. He inherited what Kyle Shanahan did as the best offense in the NFL. They got worse over time there. there are different reasons for that, but they didn't get better. When he was at USC, you know, second season didn't work out for him well uh, as as a head coach. He had a personal issues that caused him to have, to leave that job. Uh, but that first season wasn't necessarily lighting the world on fire either. At Washington, he had a reputation for being seven wins. Sark. It's it's not a it's not a great sign when you look at what he's done with not so great talent. Now, back in his days as assistant at USC, it was great, but like that was also USC's like glory days. Uh, putting a, a, on the offense side of the ball that's the main question with Steve Sarkeesian. there's no denying yeah, he is a brilliant play sp- caller
1: there's been some dope spots for him I guess if he was at USC as an assistant coach during their run with the best players in the country and now at Alabama with the best players in the country
0: yeah he was the uh he was the offense he was the quarterback's coach at, U- at USC in 2005 and 2006 and then he was the um uh, he was the offensive coordinator from 2007 to 2008. Let me oh, if make he's
1: smart. He just waits it out, man. Just wait. I think so. They're still going to have good recruiting classes after Saban. They may not be top 2 every year, but they'll be top 5 every year and then it's like, all right, you're in business, man.
0: Right. Yeah, he was a he was an offensive So, his four years as a as a big-time guy at USC, uh they lost the DCS championship game to Texas in 05. Okay. No, no knock on you there. The next 3 years they won the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, they were they were they were clearly the the class of the Pac-10 at that point when he was there. Um I I I think that's the thing and I, I do also wonder this from a cultural standpoint for Steve Sarkeesian. If you hire Steve Sarkeesian, if you're Auburn, and I'm just going to speak honestly here. If you hire Steve Sarkeesian as your as your head coach at Auburn, are you as Auburn saying we just we want to be like Alabama? We need to be like Alabama. Does Sark give you? I think the 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 difference the the I don't know the underdog, not even just the underdog mentality, but like hey, we've got to do something different. We're not Alabama. Does he give you that? Because he is coming from directly from the machine. Now the machine has worked. And he's such a good play caller that I can see the appeal here for, for Auburn. However, is he going to be the guy that gives you what you need, that edge to take that next step and maybe beat those teams like Alabama and Georgia in the days ahead when you're not going to have that kind of talent, especially right now, maybe never in terms of having you know, top five talent or whatever you want to call it. That's my big question with Sarg. Because I don't think there's any doubt the man knows how to call plays. Everybody watched the SEC title game last night. Yeah, wait, 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 what are your thoughts on Sark?
1: I think that in the right situation, he's a good head coach, but that means he needs to be walking into a program that is already flourishing, you know, and that's waiting out Saban's retirement probably in the next five to ten years. That guy doesn't really seem to want to slow down. So who knows? God, I hope he retires soon. <laughs> Just so numb to all the success, you know, like last night I was actually surprised. I was like, I know Vegas is going to set this line kind of high. Cause we're all expecting Alabama to trounce Florida. So I wasn't shocked that it was closer probably than most of us expected it to be. But like, I, there was also a lot of like scenario in this situation where I was like, well, if, if Alabama, cause like I was saying this, if Alabama wins 60 to 28, I won't be surprised either, you know, and it kind of looked like it might go that way. And then you know, whatever, I don't know. I I think Sark would be sort of um, an admission to wanting to be like Alabama without really being able to commit the same level of like resources to it. And, uh, and does Auburn want to be there? I don't really that. know what the answer is. I'm just, Sort of concerned about getting uh, left behind, like the three or four powers of the the conference, especially the way that Alabama and Georgia recruit, and even LSU in this down year, mm-hmm. and like with all the chaos, proved that they can keep a level of consistency at least in recruiting, almost regardless of who the coach is. And I think that there's this weird thing going on at Auburn where a lot of fans like think that they should win a national title every year. And it's like, well, I don't know. That's not really what Auburn's history and like win percentage would point to. But there is a certain level that I buy into that like Auburn has the resources and, and atmosphere and fan yeah. base where it's like they should probably be inside the top 10 in recruiting just about every year, almost no matter who the coach is.
0: Yeah, but also top 10 in recruiting and money and resources can also mean, like, fifth in the SEC.
1: Exactly. No, I mean, um, it probably I, will I want be, you to, right?
0: Right. I want you to explain a tweet for me. Um, you had that tweet earlier this week. Um, i getting nervous. Yeah, you had this tweet earlier this week. Uh, let's see. It was a couple days ago. You said, how I view Auburn's football, Auburn football's potential and how money dollar sign backers see it uh you have a screenshot of auburn beating uh georgia 40 to 17 in the 2017 uh game mm-hmm. here in jordan Hair stadium the second picture i believe is a picture of tumor's corner and like 18 something um can you explain can you explain this tweet for me? Because I think I know where you're going, but I want to hear you go a little bit deeper into this one. Yeah, my
1: idea here is that Auburn probably can't expect to win a championship every other season the way Alabama can, but it can expect to beat its rivals and if you're beating Georgia over the last twenty years, like that way, your team's probably in contention for a conference championship given the mm-hmm. level that Georgia has played at. And the tumors thing is just like old business the way we've always done it sort of this repetitive cycle of like this is how we're going to play ball even if it's to the detriment of like moving forward and competing at the level that i think auburn can consistently compete at which may not be you know what it is alabama does but it can go nine and three and be exciting and Mm -hmm cause some chaos and go 10 and
0: i think you it. could have some florida seasons every now and then like what florida's yeah. doing right now it, it, now it's yeah. easier for florida to do it because they really just have to knock off georgia and that's it whereas in the west you've got alabama who is better than georgia um lsu has the potential a&m i think is getting there um and i think you're I think that next tier in the sec west is tougher than that next year in the sec east like you don't want to play – as they're currently constructed right now, I don't – I would t- rather play South Carolina and Tennessee than Ole Miss and Arkansas right now, based on what we've seen. And, and, and going back to some of those things we talked about earlier, because they got offense. Tennessee and South Carolina don't at the moment, and we'll see what they, what they do. Um, Tennessee's in some trouble right now, I think. Uh, but – yeah, I, I, I agree with this you. This time I next year
1: you think it's Hugh Freeze or Mario Cristobal at Tennessee?
0: Oh, I think if Tennessee makes a move, it's probably going to be Hugh Freeze. Okay. I think Mario. I think if Mario stays at Oregon, his next job is Alabama. Oh, God. I think. And, and I think the way they ran up that... So, real quick on that. He signed that extension at, at, at Oregon. It only brought his buyout up by $1 million. It took his salary into something lower than what Auburn was paying Gus Malzahn. If money was the issue there, I think Auburn could get uh, Mario Cristobal. I don't think Mario Cristobal wants to be the head coach at Auburn, which is why he signed that deal for not that much more money than he was already making and less money than he would be making at Auburn. However, the way that buyout was structured, the structure of that buyout, it makes it a lot easier in a few years for somebody to get him out of there. And I think that somebody in a few years might be the University of Alabama. Well, that's a Sorry. bummer
1: because he's a really good recruiter. We've seen what that does for that
0: school. Exactly, exactly, and he was part of it. So that's the thing that I'm interested in seeing: the crystal ball versus Sar- if Sark stays at Alabama again, and he and he's you know not going to Auburn or going to a place like Arizona or something like that. Be very interested to see if um, who becomes the successor. Because I also think Saban could do this for a while as well. Um
1: what did you think my tweet
0: meant? I thought that's what it meant. I just wanted you to kind of explain it a little bit further for our listening audience because I know yeah. some of them follow you. Um, I, I will say this to to your point, which I thought was a good one. This was an opportunity for Auburn, like making this move. It's a big money move. It's a bold move. It's, a it's a new an oppor- era, as you pointed it's, out. You've it's been... an opportunity to go into a new era mm-hmm. and promoting promoting Kevin Steele would not be a switch into that direction. Now, it could lead to that. If they found if he found his Joe Brady, so to speak, but that's what it would have to hinge on, right? Otherwise, it is kind of business as usual. It is kind of what Auburn fans like hate to hear about, which is, um, you know, the, there's only a few powerful people who really call all the shots at Auburn. Right. That would that would lead into it. So, again, as I said earlier, the more this drags on, the more <laughs> the discourse gets worse around the you know. Kevin Steele and all that and the promotion, the less I think it happens. Um, Just because I think Auburn's going to go through the process. And also, it's just like, you got to find offense, man. Like, offense is the way forward. And I think you're even seeing Auburn's own players talk about that at this point on social media. I would be Um,
1: curious to see what the reaction would be from, you know, I don't know it his personal beliefs on the matter are, I don't think any of us do, but Mm -hmm. if Alan Green felt like he were being put in a compromising position to hire someone that he didn't necessarily sign off to, like what that power struggle looks like behind closed doors. And also if you're really wanting to put your name on that, um, because I think about like where Alan is in his career, He's mm-hmm. still relatively young, and this is the first really big move I feel he's had to make. Like I'm kind of ignorant of the things he did at Buffalo. I know that they had some like facility improvements. I believe he, I believe he brought
0: theory. in. I believe he brought in Lance Leepold at Buffalo, right. uh, and that was a heck of a hire. Um, and might have been Nate Oates as well. I don't know if he inherited Nate Oates or not,
1: but. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is like, this will be something that a lot of people will judge him off of in the coming years, both in the Auburn fan base. And then in terms Mm -hmm. of perception outside of, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: outside of this program. Uh, So I'm just, I'm kind of curious to see how everyone's angling uh, because I'm with you. It's hard to find yourself getting excited about someone at, um, and, and maybe this is ageist, but like, I just think that I would expect Steele to wind down his career within the next five or so years. That could be incorrect speculation, but like it's sort of the same feeling I have about Saban, right? It's just like you start wondering how long you want to do this really taxing, demanding, pressure filled job. And, you know, it seems to be there's this trend of going toward younger coaches that doesn't necessarily, I mean, you look at Kingsbury, like that doesn't, just because he's young hasn't meant that it's worked wherever he's been as a head coach, but uh, it's hard to imagine that being like the reset and going into a new era and the fan base really getting behind it, especially given what we know right now.
0: Absolutely. Some of the other ones that we that we mentioned, uh, Billy Napier, uh, I feel Louisiana. like there's
1: been a little like
0: simmering for him. He, you know? some he might people be. people
1: have gotten some people are kind of convincing themselves like, all right, there could be something to this.
0: If you look at the fan base's kind of reaction, well, on social media, uh, mostly, maybe some message boards as well, I feel like there's a camp split right now between, like, Napier or, or Tony Elliott and, like, mm-hmm. either one. People are pretty hyped about either one. Billy Napier, I think, if Auburn wants to kind of go... All right, here, this this sounds a little too literary, and I might end up writing this tomorrow, um, so bear with me here. Billy Napier strikes me as the candidate that can go that can put Auburn in a new era, a new direction, like, uh, some outside influence, right? Because he isn't an Auburn guy. However, he's the most Auburn looking hire out there, right? He fits the bill of who they usually go out and get. It's that up and coming, you know, group of five head coach or lower level power five coach. In in some, in some other cases that you feel like that's the move to make, um, because of their connections to the SEC West. I I like Billy Napier as a candidate for Auburn because I think if Auburn fans would be willing to be... He's not a sexy hire. He's not a splashy hire. But if but if Auburn fans would be willing to be patient, I think he could give you the kind of success he's because there's no other coach that I'm aware of that is in this position right now who has learned under both Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban. And he did great work uh, uh, under Nick Saban in Alabama. And he took his lumps at Clemson and was at the beginning of what ended up becoming the run that we've seen right now at Clemson. He's done an excellent job at Louisiana Lafayette. His recruiting class, he's brought in talent at Lafayette that Sunbelt teams don't normally get um, with some of the players he's gotten. And he knows this. He knows what it takes. He knows what it takes to win at the very uh, highest level. He knows the, what the buy-in has to be. Um, And so I think Napier is the most Auburn hire at this point that still checks a lot of boxes of what you need to take a step forward.
1: Yeah, I have a friend who seems to think that if the Orgeron thing goes wayward, that LSU getting him would be a really good pickup given their ability to recruit with almost anyone. And you know, we know he's proven to be a good recruiter. And it's like, well, that could be a good pairing. And then you start thinking about it and you can convince yourself that it could work at Auburn. I am also starting to convince myself of two things. One, yes, we just have no idea what's going to work, and two, um, I hope you know whatever is happening alongside and behind the coaches is in support of them, uh, whoever the hire is.
0: I think Napier does a lot for you. He brings in some of that outside influence. His offenses at uh, at Louisiana Lafayette have been really good. Um, they're not you know the best in the country but they he's been able to put up some big balanced explosive offenses there I and mean, they're
1: relevant like they're a relevant football team and an mm-hmm. otherwise people were really fired up that we probably don't usually care about that team or program
0: people are really fired up to watch them play uh, play coastal again uh, before that game got canceled so i think Napier i think Napier would be I don't know if I would consider him the favorite, but, like, he's the one that makes the most sense in my mind as the direction that Auburn would go.
1: It's interesting, too, because if he ends up getting the job, I think a lot of fans will just be like, oh, it fell to him because other guys didn't want it. And maybe that will be the case, but it will be funny if it works out and he turns out to be a version of what you mentioned earlier with Matt Campbell where it's like, oh, he's a last choice. You know, you don't really want that. It's not going to work out, and then it turns out to be great.
0: I just think... I just think his experience with programs that you want to be like, his recruiting chops, his experience with offenses, I think it works. I think it really, really works. I think he's well-connected. He's very well-respected in the, in, in the industry. He's a young coach that I think people can get excited about for a, for a good future with him. We'll, inter- the, the we'll be interested to see where it's he goes. The young only good
1: if it works out, right? But, like, if you, do get, a, if you <laughs> right. get a young coach, you feel like you
0: – I mean, Gus was getting- young when he started at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, if you get
1: 10 years out of some, you know, because so, so many – we look at Tennessee and, like, how they cycle through coaches every three to five years, and it's like, well, if you hit a right, the right coach for a decade, I think that consistency obviously matters.
0: And then we will turn to Tony Elliott. <laughs> Tony Elliott, the uh, Clemson offensive coordinator, um, another young up-and-coming guy, has not had head coaching experience yet. That's a flag that I think a lot of people have. Has not had experience in the SEC yet. Has, that's another flag. But – He's he's been mentioned a lot. He's been more or less when I first started out with you know candidates in mind. I had Elliott in my mind as I don't think Auburn would go in this direction, but if they if they went down that path, it would be super super intriguing. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but Clemson's really good on offense. They're really good, period. Uh, Tony Elliott has been the uh, running backs coach at uh, Clemson uh, now since the uh, 2011 season. Uh, they've produced some really good running backs, including Travis Etienne. Uh, he has taken over full offensive coordinator duties this year at Clemson. He had to manage Trevor Lawrence not being there for a little while, Get trying to get DJ uh in, the, uh in the mix. They're the number two team in the country. They're going to the playoff. They're probably going back to the national championship this season. He's been able to keep them ticking on that side of the ball. I think he, again, recruiter. No SEC ties, but ties to the Southeast. Young. He's only 41. Um, there's a lot. He's won the Broyles award before. He might be a guy who could win it again this year, although I think Sark might take it um, this year, just depending on how, I mean, looking at how good Alabama's offense has been this season. Um, has experience coaching some wide receivers as well. I think skill, talent, he can get there. This is a dude to me that, like, if like, you had, like, RBU, if you want to, like, lean into that, here's your dude. With with Tony Elliott. So, Tony Elliott this week on Saturday morning, uh, he, I believe, he texted or sent a message, or however, to uh, Marty Smith of ESPN saying, uh, I have not been contacted by Auburn. I'm not um, scheduled an interview with him. I wanted to go ahead and say this because this is ahead of the ACC Championship game. I want to tell our guys that, you know, I'm all in at this point, basically. Last night, after Clemson beat Notre Dame in the uh, ACC title game, um, this is from my dear friend Grace Raynor from, from The Athletic who covers Clemson. She says, uh, here's, a, here's a few tweets. Uh, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott said he was upset and perturbed about the report that he was ha- interviewing at Auburn tomorrow. Quote, I don't have any plans to interview tomorrow. End quote. Tony Elliott on Auburn. Quote, from what I know about Auburn, there are some things that would be very intriguing, but to say I would go forward with an interview right now, I'd have to pray about it, talk it with my wife. Man I already sounds like an Auburn head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh finally third tweet Tony Elliott does not have an agent but he indicates he's looking at options said he made a statement to players because he felt like a report about an interview tomorrow was unfair all right this is why you have search for firms boys and girls this is why you can say I have not been contacted by Auburn (laughs) no but you've been contacted by the people who are working for Auburn at this point this is how you get away with it I'm not calling Tony Elliott a liar I'm not this is just how this process works this is how the process works this is how the process works um, he doesn't have an agent, so that made it a little bit of a, like, that, that, like, oh, I haven't, you know, he, he cause right. when he said, oh, I haven't talked about it, we'll have it as agent. It's like, oh, well, no, he doesn't have an agent. Uh, but now it's getting like, one when
1: you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm, I, this is going
0: very well for me. He says Auburn would be intriguing and it makes sense, man. You get, if you have done this, you've done everything you can at Clemson. As a co-offensive coordinator, now an offensive coordinator, it's your school, you love them, it would be hard to go. But, like, if you are going to take that next step forward in your career, if becoming a head coach is what you want to be, I don't think there's many other jobs that would be better for him to jump into than Auburn. That is a top 15 job, boom, right off the bat. Here you go. You don't even have to be a head coach in the past. Let's go, let's run. And people will point out to the fact that it's like, oh, well, are you willing to do that? Are you going to give somebody who has no head coaching experience? And I would point to the fact that Kirby Smart, like, there, there, there are a number of cases where this has been this has been possible and it has worked before. So it's not completely out of the question. I'm very interested to see where Elliot moves forward. But again, if he can bring what he's done at Clemson in terms of offense and and that in that program building, how many times do people compare Auburn to Clemson, right? And all their similarities? Yes, it used Clemson, to be
1: Clemson to Auburn. Now Auburn gets compared to Clemson.
0: Yes, Clemson has an easier path because they play in the ACC and not the SEC West. We get that, but. They sh- they have shown a way where you don't have to necessarily be the team that gets the number one recruiting class and be the all world you know five stars at every single position kind of talent factor. Now they are getting better and better in that case, but it usually takes smaller they up classes. Up with it
1: with dynamic quarterback play in a way.
0: They make up with it with dynamic quarterback play. They find some diamonds in the rough and turn them into superstars, mm-hmm. um, much like Isaiah Simmons was. So he checks a lot of boxes there as well. That leads us to Brent Venables. Now, Brent Venables, I think, is a tougher sell, not just because I'm of the opinion that um, the defensive, like you have to nail your offensive guy. Like I'm sure Brent Venables, if he became the head coach at Auburn or the head coach anywhere, he could get an offensive coordinator because of his connections and get somebody dynamic. And again, like I said, same thing with Kevin Steele. You have to find your Joe Brady at that point. Um, the thing about Venables, I think, is a tougher sell because he's had more opportunities in the past, and he said no. He has two sons that currently play at Clemson, including one of them who I think is a pretty good linebacker. Um, I would be very interested to see if he'd be willing to make that move um, to Auburn. But, you know, money talks. We'll see. I would say, and this is where, where the Napier decision makes sense as well, That like, if you want to be Alabama or you want to be closer to Alabama – well, that you take Sark, like that's the one, that's the one to go get. makes a lot of sense. But comparing yourself to Clemson, I think is the like, do you want to beat Alabama? Do you want to beat Georgia? Well, you don't have to be Alabama or Georgia. You can be more like Clemson. You can be more like a team that's not necessarily all like that uh, like Alabama is. And Clemson's a close example. Napier's had some experience at Clemson. He's also had it at Alabama, kind of a best of both worlds thing. Elliott, of course, and Venables make sense there as well. Um, and of course, Kevin Steele has experience at Clemson. Um, going back, going back a little ways, I, I think that I think that that's a strong five. Now we can sit and debate whether those guys are the guys you had to make the move and get rid of Gus Malzahn for and pay all that money for. We'll see. Again, it's a it's a dice roll. Every one of these these head coaching hires is a, is a gamble, but I think what we saw Saturday in college football has to has to be mentioned. Whether you're a whether you're an offensive guy or you're a defensive guy who needs to bring in an offensive guy, you better nail down the offense because playing smash mouth defense and hoping for the best on the offensive side of the ball ain't getting it done in this day and age of college football. That's not how you contend and this coaching search is a very big one for Auburn in that aspect. I'm with you.
1: I would just add that uh, his resume speaks for itself, but uh, it'd be nice to have uh, a brother leading the program. And on top of it, if you want to talk about Venables, like he's been at Clemson, he's been consistent. Uh, He's been a part of building that culture. There's an argument to be made. I think Marcelo made a good point about that, that, both of those Clemson hires would be very very exciting. I think
0: I think game. Marcello pointed out get Brent Venables because man they 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 beat the brakes off of Notre Dame on that side of the ball. I just couldn't yesterday. I wouldn't be
1: disappointed about either of those, you know. He the, said
0: he, he was like get Brent Venables and then hire, hire Kendall Bowers as your offensive coordinator. I was like, "Man, that is a that is a staff right there." You and were, the Napier thing to
1: me just seems like a wild card. It's like, you know, it
0: very Auburn though. Yeah, you I think know? he and I think he if, I think it he worked. Yeah. If it works, he could be the guy to kind of be your to lead you into this like to be the new era. Like this is where the shift happened. He he checks a lot of those boxes. Um you know, he could be your modern day Pat Dye, so to speak. He could be your modern day I guess Pat Dye would be the best example there. Um he could be kinda of like your Gus in some aspects as well. We'll see. You gotta evolve, you gotta adapt, you gotta take that step forward. We will see. As we said. At the beginning, I mean, of there's it. some
1: really good options among those names. If it turns mm-hmm. out that those are legitimate considerations, and I don't think that any of them can be considered slam dunks. When was the last time somebody made a hire that we all thought, "Man, eh, that's going to work out well," and, and it did? Like was it Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, just because he was already mm-hmm. there? No, I don't I mean, think people there were had that about Lincoln. Of like his age and that sort of thing.
0: Um. You know, does, like, is he ready does to Frost? Over? Does Frost count? Like when he went to UCF? No, when he went to Nebraska.
1: But, I mean, like, I'm talking about one that did work. Oh, that did work. Yeah, like where it was like, hey, that makes sense. And then it pretty quickly turned out to be true. Like, hey, that was a good pairing. A lot of times I think it's, it's, we can point to a lot more that don't work out. Yeah, you yeah, know? you're right, you're right.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I get what There's you're saying There's lots now. of
1: good examples of things that don't work.
0: Uh, Urban Meyer? Ohio yeah, State? when he left Utah, or or when he gave, I'm talking about when they went out and got him at Ohio State. It was like, oh yeah, you just went out and got the like this is you're going well, it was to be a,
1: more of a lock then. But I think yeah. when he left Utah, I was like, there's some real promise to this. But yeah, that's an even better point. It's like you'd already seen him win at an
0: extremely consistent high level. It shows how Florida. tough these, these things are because everybody's at risk at this point. Everybody. Yeah, I like guess everybody. I'd feel
1: good about hiring, you know, hiring three people: Urban, Nick Saban, and Dabo. Where it's like probably, probably <laughs> any the three best you
0: just, the three best coaches of the yeah, modern era. It's like
1: you can drop them into any program, and it's probably going to be all
0: right. And outside, I would of be that, interested to see how knows. Dabo. I would be interested to see how Dabo would be outside of Clemson. He should never <laughs> test that theory, though.
1: Yeah, he because people. A, yeah, what would it be like if he went to Washington?
0: Well, here's the other thing: people are talking about him as like. He needs to be, he's the guy after saving Alabama. He's like, no, don't. Who They'll wants name to this. touch that? No. Who wants to touch that? Especially if like if you're Crystal Ball or you're Sarkeesian, like, yeah, I get that. Right? That makes sense. You're at, at Clemson. Like, you've won multiple national championships. They'll name the freaking stadium after you when this is all said and done. Yeah, like, I, I, stay, I be a legend. You are already the best coach they've ever had. You are already like, no, don't do this. You can be the Bear Bryant of Clemson. Like honestly, yeah, you have like, a lot <laughs> more
1: to lose, I think, by trying to replace Saban in terms of legacy than you know Cristobal might or Sark might, right? Like, yep, th- uh, you know that would be intriguing, but I think at this point you nail it on the head. There's some good options there. I don't know what's going to happen, nor do I know it's. I don't think anybody the does. Right man. Decision, you know. Nope. I like to.
0: I don't think anyone does. I think there are candidates. And I think the steel thing is still prominent. Um, just because of the people attached to it, but as I said, as time goes on and the discourse gets um, capital T capital D the the discourse uh, gets gets rougher. I don't know. I don't know how much that one is feasible. But yeah. as we said at the beginning of this episode, we are recording this on Sunday early afternoon. So if Auburn makes it to a bowl game, we'll know. You'll probably know by the time you listen to this. Maybe. Are you still um, holding
1: firm on your belief that? Probably not, just given what you okay. So here's the, about the the players sort of being meh. and like I'm just of the opinion of what we've been saying. Like under normal years, sure, maybe it's a vacation. This is obviously not a normal year.
0: Okay, this the, while we were recording this, speaking of Marcelo, he just reported this at two four seven. He said um, SEC will likely fill all of its bowl tie-ins, but finding opponents is quote becoming an issue. Sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like here's the thing: no SEC teams opted out yet. Meanwhile, half the Pac-12, most of the Pac-12, half of the Big Ten and half the ACC have at this point. Who are you going to play, right? Like, who, like It's going to be it's going to be tough to find out who you're going to play. And what happens if guys opt out? Guys like, hey, man, I ain't playing anymore. I'm done. Or like, these guys are going their separate ways and all that for Christmas, and then you're going to bring them back in. Like, it's going to be a... It's going to be a tough, tough buy. I can see the SEC holding firm and saying, Girl, we love playing football better more than everybody we else. We love it more than we're you going, love it. We're going to play all our bowl games. We're going to get that money, and it's going to be like, all right. But we'll see. Um, by the time you listen to this, you probably already know the answer to that, and we will talk about that more down the road. Painter, uh, Notre Dame is the fourth seed instead of Texas A&M. I thought that was the right decision, but the best decision was Cincinnati. Your thoughts? correct how could you Cincinnati disagree? was better at SP plus man like yeah they have everything they had pointed them, they to had Cincinnati. because everyone's
1: infatuation with analytics like like all things I expect it to reverse and eventually will come to sort of a happy medium with like when to ignore it and like this is not the same thing I don't and
0: think it, enough people who have power in college football care about analytics
1: I don't know. I feel like they had a cop out with this one, with like being like, "Hey, on paper, Cincinnati is both undefeated and the better team." But it goes back to another point you've made for a long time now, which is, or at least I think you've made this point. I know it's not an original thought of mine, which is that the group of five just ought to do their own thing because they're not getting the respect that uh, they want.
0: I tweeted this. this. I tweeted this earlier: Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina, San Jose State.
1: We would watch that.
0: I would watch the heck out of that. Hey, you want to put you want to put Louisiana Lafayette in there instead of BYU? Fine. If you want to put somebody else in there instead of BYU, fine. I'm good but with that. But now it
1: just feels like a consolation, and like we've done them a disservice. And like, look, I don't think that Cincinnati has a real chance of beating Alabama. But guess what? I don't think Notre Dame does either.
0: And on paper, I think Cincinnati's a better matchup for Alabama than Notre Dame is. I just do. I'm sorry. That's just how they've played this year. The analytics back me up on this. I will not take any further questions. (laughs) Um, I yeah, just give me just give me the group of five playoff. Go ahead and split this this thing. Go ahead and split this thing out. Let's Let's just let's go ahead and split this thing off. We'll, We'll bring in promotion and relegation. We'll do all the cool stuff. Just quit acting like if you have a system where a team has to be a part of it, and if they win out, they still can't make it. That is a dumb system. Expand the playoff, or go back to two teams, or just quit making everybody's lives miserable. Um, it's a dumb system. Um, the fact that those, those goober heads in the, in the, you know, playoff committee had to, had to meet in person for all this during a pandemic, instead of just doing it over zoom, like I don't know, coaching searches. Right.
1: Oh, it was beautiful. It was People perfect. are making coaching
0: searches happen during this and they have to all come together to be like, all right, everyone, let's look at the paper in front of us and look at the numbers. I just, it's so dumb, man. It's so dumb. Anyway, I would
1: have been annoyed. I would have been like, can we not do this from our own homes? Where we would all be very comfortable. And now I imagine some of them wanted to get together for the fanfare of it all. I don't know what it is that does it for these people. But uh, certainly I would rather just be in my sweatpants making up the rules as we go than traveling
0: somewhere to make up the rules as we go. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. By the way, go San Jose State. You should have been in the playoff if it wasn't Cincinnati. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i'm just glad that those teams can score some points
0: yeah exactly well, san jose state kind of makes their living off field goals but um my take last night of san jose state should be in <laughs> over texas a&m i still stand by it san jose state beat everybody they played this year by double digits they had to they could not play they, their whole football team had to move to nevada for the year because of the re- regulations in northern california Meanwhile, Texas A&M beat uh, Vanderbilt by five, and <laughs> and uh, got s- smashed by Texas uh, by by Alabama. So let's not do that again. All right, let's talk about something a lot happier and um, a lot more. Pop- Damn, we almost went an hour with that. Oh, that's fun. Uh, it's gonna be a long episode. Um, again, a, a long episode that might be out of date by the time people talk about it, but it won't be as bad as what we did last week. So um that's a positive auburn hoops auburn hoops let's talk auburn hoops painter auburn 77 troy 41 um we witnessed and you witnessed it because you said you watched the first half oh, yeah. you witnessed the best first half of the bruce pearl era because boy howdy that was an absolute drubbing in the first half yeah, 43 to 10
1: was, everybody was just absolutely having a good time I loved how much fun they were having. Um, it was sort of depressing to watch Troy and I uh, hope that it gets better. I think that the commentators, while I had that on seemed to be very optimistic about Mr. Cross in the future there, but yeah. uh, let me I just like say, him. yeah, I don't know anything about him, but I hope that it goes better. That was good for Auburn and not great for Troy. And, Hey, you know, that's not going to be one of the better teams Auburn plays this year. But I think any time you've got uh, – one of my friends, a friend of the, the newsletter, Alston, says whenever you've got warm bodies in front of you, there's still some things that are just impressive. And I would I would say holding a team to 41 points regardless oh, yeah. is always a pretty
0: impressive feat. I heard some high school teams that to put up more than 41 on you yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> being honest right. uh
1: so like i don't know i don't i don't want to get too excited or take too many victory laps over over the win against troy but i will say that you can still take some real positives away in the second half what was the level of intensity like
0: i felt like in their Troy previous, brought it uh, okay well yeah see, troy, troy played things. troy played really hard in the second half especially on defense is like that they, two
1: games in a row where you feel like auburn might have taken their foot off the gas
0: I don't think they took their foot off the gas as much. I mean, they were getting looks. They just weren't finishing them. And I think Troy was just running some different things on, on defense. They, they had a few more mistakes. Um, but, I mean, you were – they went on a 31-3 to 3 run in the first half. Just demolition. Um, just complete. That's so,
1: that's so humiliating for an opponent that it's like- – And the
0: fact that they kept swinging, I think, says a lot about Scott Cross, uh, Scott Cross and that team. Like, they did not fold, and that's a, that's a really good sign. For them, But for Auburn, dominant first half, they, they scored nearly 75% of their shots. Um, they held Troy to barely anything uh, from the field. Offensively and defensively, everybody was clicking. But the big takeaway from this game for me was this was a game where Justin Powell, <laughs> again, playing out of position, was a team high plus 25 in a game that he scored three points in. He hit one of his, he hit his only three point look. He drove to the basket and, uh, and missed a few, of, uh, uh, missed three, uh, inside. He had four rebounds, eight assists, one turnover. He makes everything go. And as Pearl said after the game, he's really pleased with the fact that Justin Powell could score three points. Auburn could manhandle their opponent basically. And nobody noticed like that's, that's a really good sign of the balance that they're getting on this team. When your best player at this point of the season can just be a facilitator and a rebounder and a and a defender, and you still can hang hang seventy seven, still win by thirty six against anybody, that's that's a really good sign. And I think it also kind of shows the maturity of Powell and like the college readiness he was coming out of high school in the state of Kentucky. Like he. He just he just plays the game at a different level than a lot of guys coming out of high school do, and that's because I think that that's a credit to the coaching that he got, um, you know, in his am and well, he's still playing amateur basketball, but like in his pre-college days, uh, that he didn't force anything really, and he let the game come to him, and he had eight assists and one turnover, and again, once again, in a position that is not his natural one. Yeah, I was
1: in my Nietzsche Vod uh, and I was watching Sharif passing highlights recently, just thinking about what it would do for this team.
0: Give speaking of Sharif, I'm over speaking of Sharif right now. Speaking of Sharif. Sharif Cooper yesterday shot around was in shoot arounds. Yes. And was sitting yes. on the bench. Cryptic. Cryptic stuff. Keep an the eye on Bruce out. is
1: circling ladies. Tuesday. And
0: Tuesday. Auburn plays against Appalachian State. We'll talk about that uh, that in a little bit. But I'm not saying he's going to come back by Tuesday, but see if he's still still doing the same thing on Tuesday. If he's still you know doing doing the same thing as in pregame and during the game, as you said, I still stand by from what I've heard. There was still optimism that they could get him back before the end of this month. We'll see. We will see. No updates he's yet though good. officially from Auburn, but we'll see. I think I think yesterday what you saw was a sign uh, that things could be improving in that in that aspect, and also the fact that he's still here, man. Like he could have been gone if he, he wanted to. He could have been to. gone. He could have. He could be staying at home. We've seen that before.
1: We've seen. Right. We've seen
0: guys. We've seen guys who who were not eligible to play at Auburn just weren't there. We've seen that before. He's not doing that, so I think that's a sign. Um, by the way, uh, Alan Flang had fourteen points in this game. Jalen Williams eleven points. Jt Thor ten. Dylan Cardwell eight. Uh, sorry, Chris Moore ate the Energy Squad, the bench mob of that team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Devin Cambridge hit a pair of threes as well. There's a lot of balance on that team, and that you scored that many points and were just able to spread it around without you know having to rely on Justin Powell was a big deal. Uh, Painter, the the what do you think about Dylan the Dylan Cardwell and Chris Moore pairing because those guys a bring it. In terms of their energy, uh, and Auburn was really good with them on the floor uh, yesterday.
1: We know who Auburn's best players are and most talented players are, but we can see that Cardwell might be able to do a group of things or, or a set have a set use that is being a foul valuable. magnet helps. Yeah, being uh, yeah, I mean, and I think he's a player too that is. You know, what everyone, the word that's thrown around is like, he's raw, he's raw. Well, that is true. Like, there's probably going to be, based on what we've seen with some players and Bruce, like a pretty good jump for him in this offseason. And I think he's going to feed off the energy of the crowd whenever we get back to that. So I think we've, we've yet to see the best of Dylan Cardwell. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, do the do the advanced numbers like him right now.
0: They do. He... They 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 really do. And then I'm assuming
1: spe- what what if he ended up scoring? I imagine he, he had have eight. A ton of points. Okay. Well, that's that's solid.
0: Chris Moore, by the way, had eight as well. He also had six rebounds, which tied a uh, tied a team high. Um, those guys are just they bring a spark off the bench. And Pearl said it yesterday. Um, it stood out to me. This, this Auburn team had 33 bench points yesterday. Um. He said, it's going to be our 11 and our 12 versus everybody else's 7, 8, or 9. Like, Auburn's going to lean on its depth this season. Because, A, you want to develop. You know, you're not competing for a postseason berth. You're going to develop these guys. But also, they kind of need it, right? There's not, like... Jalen Williams and Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan, if they all played really well together, you could win a lot of games doing that. But they're also like they need J.T. Thor to get touches. They need, um, you know, they need guys like uh, uh, Jamal Johnson to help them out. They need they need guys like Stretch Ack and Bola and and and, De- and Devin Cambridge and those two the two bench guys we just mentioned Carwell and uh, uh and Moore. I think Turbo actually played 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 better uh, in a in a non point guard role off the bench uh, yesterday. Uh they need those guys and if Sheriff Cooper can come into the mix, they're going to like that depth is going to help them cuz the more they play, the more confidence everybody has. And they're going to play quicker, they're going to play smarter, they're going to play harder and they're going to be a problem for some teams cuz if they do what they did yesterday and I again it was Troy and Troy's one of the worst offensive teams in America. Sorry Troy. I really like Scott Cross, and I like some of those players they got out there, but they're they're really bad on offense. Um, you know, they're going to be a problem if they can play like this on offense and defense against when they step up in, in competition. And I I really liked what I saw from, from Auburn on, sa- uh, on Saturday. Um, how, how could you not? Um, but they want more. They want to score more on the inside. They want to get more touches for JT Thor. JT Thor was four of six. JT Thor had another dunk where you were like, okay, that guy's not that guy's not normal. Um,
1: well, I think we've seen Powell already come into his own more so than we had even the most optimistic of projections probably had it. And there were some folks who were really high on him coming in, um, even if he wasn't like the highest-rated player Auburn was dealing with. And then Thor's another piece where it's like, I think by mid-February there's a good chance that JT Thor is getting really comfortable and could be uh, potentially – unguardable in certain matchups. And it's like, to the point I made earlier about Cardwell and Jerry Hennon made this point better than I can make it online. Like he look at what Bruce has done with some guys after a full year. And obviously I would throw Powell and yeah. Thor into that. It's like, Oh boy, those guys might not be coming back after a year or two. If they make a similar jump,
0: Carwell moves so, so well for a guy his size, you know, he does some of that post up foul magnet stuff that, um, on post ups against undersized teams kind of like Austin Wiley did but like he's also running the floor and he just moves better than, than Austin did not can a knock we gripe? On, not a knock on Austin but it's just Carwell's just a very athletic big man what's up
1: can we gripe about the refs just a bit and then move on past it but i think we have got it. to just the NCAA has got to do something about its product i don't know how much to give the refs a hard time about this versus how they're being told that they've got to officiate the games the
0: touch fouls Especially on rebounding.
1: That, and I guess also this came up, I think, when Auburn was playing UCF, and I'm far from the first person to make the point, but it seems like a lot of times guys are not particularly trying to play defense. Yes, yeah. They slide in, and it's just about a coin toss on what it's going to be, and I don't know what to do about this. I don't have the answer, but can we please stop giving those calls to the defenders because – Obviously I think, the charge has to exist and we have to figure out a way to do this but I don't understand why we are rewarding defenders for not particularly making an attempt at stopping just standing the there and getting player. hit.
0: Yeah, just standing there and getting hit. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as the Josh Vitale school of <laughs> ban every charge call ever but yeah, I mean
1: what would there were, people like me do otherwise?
0: There was something on Saturday. Uh, somebody tweeted on Saturday. is like, you got to start at that some point. <laughs> just like, if that happens right in front of you, you know, the guy's just trying to draw a charge. Just let him get decked and no call. And just like, all right, bud. Like, I'm. A
1: couple more times and he'll stop doing it.
0: Yeah. All right. You have to have a charge if you're playing good defense and you yeah. get bowled over. But yeah, you got like this whole like slide in and like. Oh, he might be going a little too fast. Let's make sure he, let's make sure I get in his way like that's it's obviously that's obviously subjective from yeah. call to call. Right, for sure. Um All right. I had that's, a more I just had to get that out of my system. I I had more problem yesterday within the second half. They kept calling a bunch of like touch fouls and and rebounding fouls. I'm like, "Come on. Is this game's Roberts about 30. Come on, let's stop. Stop this." <laughs> by the way, um fun fun times there down the stretch. We had a pair of triples from walk-ons, Leor Berman, who played a good amount of minutes, and Chandler Leopard, Le- Leopard's three or no Berman's three, <laughs> just just completely like flew down the floor and like pull up three like J.R. Smith level confidence, just fired it in. Um, the bench, the, attitude you the bench went crazy. Oh, absolutely! You are not going to get many of
1: those chances, and if you make one like that, everyone will love you.
0: The uh, the 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 bench loved it. The bench like couldn't of stop. Because, and by the way, their late threes helped Auburn win the second half by three points. Even though Troy was the better team for most of that early than that second half, um, they ended up doing that. So good for uh, good for Leor and uh, and uh, and Chandler and all those guys. Uh, Preston Cook got in the game and he scored the other night, uh, and uh, Chase Mosdorf as well in the game. So I mean Auburn getting to pull those guys out there are pretty fun. Let's look ahead to the Auburn Appalachian State game on. Tuesday.
1: Tennessee beat the hell out of this team. I think Auburn can do it too.
0: Game got moved up to one o'clock. Um, Bruce Pearl wanted to do that to make sure his kids could uh, get home earlier for Christmas. So shout out to shout out to Bruce for that. And also, uh, that's a I'm win. To
1: talk about dominance, and you're over here talking about respect and family. for
0: Yeah. Well, um, it also helps out Appalachian State's players as well, which I think is a pretty Good. cool little cool little thing on that. Uh, what do we know about Appalachian State? Well, they're better than uh, than Troy. Um, they're currently ranked 195 on Kempom. Auburn, by the way, number 67 now 25? on well, Chem-
1: eight spots or so.
0: They moved eight sp- up eight spots over the weekend. We'll see if they move up any more. Free cherry. <laughs> Appalachian State this season. Uh, they uh, they lost to a uh, they lost to a decent Bowling Green team in overtime. Uh, they beat a pretty good Charlotte team on the road by four. They only scored 38 against Tennessee, whose defense looks just ungodly good right now. I mean, they are... Ugh, that's a monster. Uh, they have um, beaten... They beat South Carolina State to open the year, one of the worst teams in D1, if not the worst team in D1, uh, by nice. 20. Uh, and they've played four... Uh, they've played four non-D1 teams and have beaten them all, including a team called Carver, who they beat by 82. So... I hope they got mm. hope they got a lot of good stuff out of that game. Um, they're coming off They're coming off of a couple wins against um, some ninety-one teams. Uh, Tennessee really gave them a hard time on on defense <laughs> uh, last week. Uh, I wonder if Auburn can do the same coming off of their best defensive performance of the season by a good margin. Here's what we know about Appalachian State offensively. Um, They turn the ball over a lot. I think Tennessee helped helped that out as well. Uh, 307th in the country in turnover percentage, 317th in steal percentage, which means uh, teams are ripping it from them and uh, getting a score in transition.
1: Maybe we'll get to see some Jalen Williams and JT Thor, some Allen Flanagan dunks. Maybe Mm -hmm. Powell will take one in transition. He doesn't get the dunk in my scenario. (laughs) Not, uh, uh,
0: Not a very tall team, but a team that shoots a lot of threes. It's are not a problem
1: per- for them if they're not hitting threes.
0: Right. They're not a particularly good three-point shooting team. Oh, God. Well, this but they is shoot good. a lot of them. And I think yeah. Auburn at this point has not done a great job shooting threes recently. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how much. Like, App State can hang around if they hit some threes and take care of the right, ball. But if right. Auburn cranks up the pressure like they did the other day, it could be an issue. Um, they... Yeah, the tallest player on Appalachian State looks like six ten. They got a couple six eight guys and a six seven guy. Auburn will have the size advantage in this one. They seem to have the board advantage as well. Uh, Auburn's starting to do a much better job of forcing turnovers. Defend without fouling is going to be key in this one. Defend without fouling. Don't give up easy looks from deep. Uh, Appalachian State. Do we is, know what fouls
1: are? Huh? Not necessarily, but we're going to have to work that out.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's
1: true. Like it, you are going to, as long yeah. as the officiating yeah. is going to be this way, you're just going to have to feel it out every game.
0: Yep. which I guess is generally true anyway. But when it's bad,
1: it's especially
0: important. App State does a really good job of drawing fouls and not fouling. So, uh, and they are well, a really they good. Figured it out, huh? They are a really good free throw shooting team. Get as, the
1: ball in the hoop.
0: They, they're a really good free throw shooting team as well. So, um, that's going to be key. Don't give up easy threes. Don't give them free trips to the line. You should be able to take care of business and kind of cruise against these guys. Uh, by the way, Auburn twenty fifth. In the country right now, in two-point field goal percentage and offensive rebounding for a team that's very young in the trenches, um, pretty young everywhere. They are rebounding and uh, scoring on the inside at a pretty good rate, and I can I see like why Bruce Pearl wants to this keep doing team that. Being
1: being like Dennis Rodman, where they're just like we want all the weird stats, where we want <laughs> like 15 rebounds and eight blocks piece Because sometimes you, I do notice where it's like not all y'all needed to go for that block.
0: You it's know, amazing. Like somebody trail. It's amazing. They have. It, there was a game the other. There was a play the other day against uh, Texas Southern where I think three guys went up for the same yeah. block and it was just like. Which is funny, but leaves you open to <laughs> them getting another rebound if right. they miss the shot. Right. Uh, by the way, I, looking through Ken Palm, Auburn is the seventh tallest team in college basketball this year. That's crazy. <laughs> That's like seventh a dream tallest. Of
1: mine from. A, I remember. I remember growing up and Beard was watching teams and being like look i don't know much here but this team is not the same height as <laughs> the teams i'm watching on espn uh um, now to see auburn have that and the games evolved like you don't have the same like style of big men but now they're just all big and can run the they're just big floor. everywhere yeah
0: by the way the auburn the auburn final Four team was 208th in height <laughs> <laughs> in two years, they have gone from one of the shortest power conference teams to one of the add tallest Jabari, ones. Who's what? Is he six ten? He is six ten. I believe. I'll be interested uh, to see where he where he ends up. And uh, Trey Alexander's not small for a guard. Um, what do
1: you think they'll do with the minutes there? Because they're going to have a lot of really good power. Forwards. Man, it so you've depends. Jalen de- and Jabari and Thor, and it's like I can see Thor and Jabari having great pro careers, and like there's a world in which Jalen Williams belongs. Somewhere I think if I think if
0: I think if Bryce Brown and Jared Harper can play in the NBA, at least be on a roster, be on a G League team, Jalen Williams has got a spot. Yeah, because Jalen Williams, I think, is the quintessential college basketball big man right now. Like the modern college basketball big man, he does everything really, really well, and he's very efficient in doing it. Um, yeah, I think there could be a spot for him, especially the more as college basketball kind of gets positionless or basketball gets mm. positionless uh shout so yeah. out
1: to the westchester knicks who we love
0: yeah uh Bryce hitting that triple whoo that's uh that's a that's a really good one uh hitting hitting that triple in his first preseason game jared getting some good run uh because the knicks were resting a ton the Westchester knicks are going to be uh going to be popular among auburn fans uh this season so the nba nba getting cranked up in a couple of days as well we'll see isaac Okoro and uh and uh, Chumo Kiki, who's had a who's had a, a, a strong preseason for the Magic get them How going.
1: Trey Young and Grayson <laughs> Allen mixing it up. They got into it, I think, back in like the preseason, or maybe it was even like rookie stuff at one point. Now I think it's pretty clear Trey Young does not like or respect Grayson Allen.
0: Uh, no one should, but um, <laughs> that's just no matter what you feel about Trey Young, I feel like I feel like you can at least agree with me on that all righty i think that'll do it this is a long episode um appreciate you guys listening a lot of coaching search talk there at the beginning a lot of football talk we will talk later in the week Uh, everything's going to kind of be tbd it is christmas week um we are going to provide you some some uh some some stuff moving forward there could be a coach this week um i wouldn't be surprised under your tree (laughs) and there could be a coach under your tree auburn basketball plays on tuesday afternoon like we said we'll have coverage of that We'll do another podcast at some point uh, this week. Not sure the exact time. I think a lot of it will hinge on what Auburn's doing in their coaching search and, and whatnot. Um, How
1: involved do we think Tim Cook is in this? Let's get him in the loop. Let's get him to take a break from some of these corporate Christmas meetings and come <laughs> come figure this out with this baby. Come on,
0: come on, figure it out, Tim. Uh, Tim <laughs> Tim Apple, ladies and gentlemen. How is it, interested in
1: this do you think he is? Cause he I was a, thinking he, he like is an he...
0: Auburn football fan, but I think he's a smart man with his money and doesn't invested in college football programs
1: well i was just thinking like okay he. Was i wonder how much game. he's
0: involved in like facilities and stuff like that like if he, like if he donates to that like he could do, he could donate and just not have his name on it
1: yeah he could go the anonymous route he's i wouldn't be surprised
0: man i wouldn't be surprised he's not necessarily i mean he's as he's not as look at me as you can as a ceo of apple but um i wouldn't be surprised if he was like not you know you know, not going not over the top and wanting wanting the praise and the glory from it.
1: What do you think about his hair? I think I wouldn't mind having his hair at that age.
0: You kind of feel that way about a lot of people's hair. Anyone who else was silver?
1: To... Ellis Johnson has Ellis Johnson. good hair.
0: Uh shout out down. to shout out to uh, two members of the Auburn media. Uh, you've got you've got Brian Matthews, excellent hair. Love. Excellent hair, excellent the the silver wings, he's got he's got him going. Uh, and then uh, and then the silver fox himself our king uh, uh Jeff shear and then
1: no, I thought you were gonna say someone else. well he here, does
0: have yeah shear does have fans Shear is, is a silver fox and if you get way up there in age, not not a slide to him he's just he's just an older man uh Philip marshall Philip marshall right. he's got that he's got that snow white hair. I'm telling you <laughs> you can you, there are a lot of good hair examples around Auburn media it, it, it gives me it gives me some it gives me some hope it gives me some hope for the future. You know, aging gracefully, hair wise, because this job can this job can, can 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 do a number on you. But those three guys have gotten it. Ellis Johnson, I think, fits as well, and so does Tim Apple. Um, and that's why we're going to give you a promo code for Touch of Gray. <laughs> we are not. We do not have that. Um, what we will do, though, is tell you how you can uh, support everything we're doing, and Painter will do that right now.
1: Rate, review, subscribe, and hey, if there's a friend or family member, maybe an enemy who you're trying to make amends with, we've got a gift uh, option for you. Yes, my corporate domination knows no bounds. I will try to take your money for Christmas. You can find those on uh, the website, auburnreserver.com, and I think Justin's got them in most of his stories. And if I'm not mistaken, you can set those up to start whenever you like. 100 so time that out, but absolutely we appreciate you guys for supporting us. And we know it's an interesting time to be an Auburn fan. I go up and down about how much, and you know, how much energy I want to put into it. But the right hire, you know, maybe we'll be cooking
0: here. Hey, no matter the hire, we're going to be cooking here anyway. Auburn, oh, well, well that,
1: that part is certainly true, certainly I, true. I'm,
0: we're yeah. still going to be giving you this heat, don't worry. Auburn, as Painter said. Thank you for those of you who listen to the free podcast. Thank you for those of you who listen, um, who are, who are uh, members of the inner circle, um, who are $6 a month, $60 a year, uh, get you access to all we do, sent directly into your email inbox, uh, podcast, and stories pretty much every day on Auburn football and Auburn basketball. Appreciate all of you. As Painter said, you can get a gift, gift subscription that way as well. I nah. guess
1: my argument for Auburn would be that they really don't do things in a boring way. Like they may nope. have a record nope. that looks boring, like it says eight and four, but how they got to eight mm. and four never, never, never makes sense. And that certainly never applies normal. in past and what seems to be present coaching searches. So mm-hmm. no matter what, I think we can bank on getting some entertainment and laughs out of all this.
0: Yep. We're going to try to, we're, we're, we're going to be serious when we need to be serious, but this is also a sport and we're going to have fun with it as much fun as we can. Um, and I know some of you aren't having a ton of fun right now, but have to, have a ton of fun with Auburn basketball.
1: And there's some good options, like for real. We ran through those. I can find myself getting legitimately excited about a number of those coaches.
0: And we will see which direction Auburn goes. We will see if Auburn plays in a bowl game. We will see all, all about a lot of stuff later in the week. Appreciate you guys. Um, for those of you who won't be listening to the podcast later in the week, want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, however you celebrate. We appreciate you guys being a part of what we've done. Uh, It's been a rough year for so many people, but I hope um, y'all are able to uh, spend some time with the people that you care about, um, whether, whether in person or virtually do it safely and uh, have, have a pretty, have a pretty uh, happy little holidays here. And hopefully Auburn football doesn't uh, irritate you too much. Um, Painter, the, uh, the Buffalo bills are the champions of the AFC East. Division
1: champs, baby! I walked into they look. A bar they look good.
0: They look and, really
1: good right and now. Brought all the success with me. The first night I ever met Sarah's parents, uh, the Bills made it to the playoffs for the first time in twenty years since I've been in their lives. We're counting nothing, three playoff appearances in four years, and hey, nothing but illustrious
0: con- success for your. For, uh, I mean, that is what follows
1: me certainly everywhere I go.
0: The fact that Josh Allen has become the way he is is just will never be stunning not stunning to me it's just incredible um
1: wasn't particularly good in high school or college and is very good among the best quality of competition you can find in the sport I think and he's that, the that third best sense. quarter
0: I think he's the third best quarterback in the NFL right now statistically behind uh, Rodgers and Mahomes it's amazing it's incredible so go <laughs> bills big Saturday win big division win we'll see how they can do moving forward and uh, we will talk to some of you again some point this week hopefully question mark. Others of you next week, hopefully question mark. You maybe we will join us. Maybe twice we'll this week. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we'll have maybe we'll have a uh, a new head coach to talk about and some more Auburn basketball goodness as well. Until then, adios and go bills.